On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fans. This week's movie was set to release in early September of 2001. It had all the makings of a successful 2000s thriller, a smarter-than-average script, incredibly talented cast, and a writing and directing team with many successful TV shows under their belts. Publicity was set to start when the tragedy of 9-11 struck. So, understandably, all interviews were canceled as the world paused. And it wasn't until this it was released on home video that the film became more popular. So, imagine it. It's 2002 and your parents are finally letting you rent a scary movie on a Friday night from Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? Of course you don't. We're old. Anyways. But their stipulation is it has to be PG-13. And you see it. A movie with a creepy cover and that actor whose last name you can never pronounce. And it's called the glass house so mind your manners check your breaks and don't take any pills this is the grindhouse girls podcast hello and welcome welcome friends this, this movie <laughs> hello was so hard to find research on because as stated in the intro they didn't get any publicity because of understandable no. circumstances but yes and and I love how Katie said that we were old because we knew where Blockbuster was when literally my first job was at Movie Gallery. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I am old. <laughs> Video clerks don't assist anymore. You know what's crazy? Okay, so no one remembers these stores, but uh, like GameStops, there were movie stops. And we had a movie <gasps> stop in Prattville. It was incredible. I, I thought you were going to say FYE or something like that. And I was like, I remember that. But I love that store because I would, like, get lost in all, like, the movies and the special editions they had. Okay. It was cool. I, I love that store because before YouTube was a thing, there was listening stations. And you could mm-hmm. listen to songs, like, a whole minute of a song before you bought the CD. Yeah, and you had to, like, you know, they didn't have earbuds. So, like, you had to put, and this is, like, in a post-pandemic world, you had to put on these, like, public headphones to listen to them. So, I hope nobody yep. had lice before. Um, speaking of lice, that sounds gross. I know one has lice in my life, but I don't know what it is this uh, week, this month, this year, but Gizmo has had two ticks on him. Um, three, oh, yeah. No, three this year, two in the last two weeks, and I have had to pick. He has, like, prevention, so, like, it's not, like, going to hurt him. And he actually has Lyme disease vaccinations, which I didn't even know they did, but apparently they do now. So get your dog vaccinated for Lyme disease, y'all. Um, but it's, I hate when it gets hot outside. And now, like, I feel like I can't go to part of my backyard because, like, every time he goes back there, he comes back with a tick on him right now. And I'm like, how do I get rid of the ticks? I hate them. Anyways, so that was a weird intro. Sorry, guys. But, yeah, I it threw me off because usually you go, I'm Katie, I'm Brittany, and then, like, we didn't introduce ourselves, so yeah. I was like, oh, well, Sorry. hopefully they know us by now. Yeah, no, hey, it's, okay. it's Katie. <laughs> like, we started talking about And I'm Brittany. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> ah, it's sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm a little frazzled, so I... Good thing is, I started rehearsals for Clue, which I'm in, Yay. and 
I play multiple murder victims, and I'm super excited about it. But um, awesome. other than ticks, anything else crazy going on, Brett? Uh, nothing too crazy. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, well, I forgot to tell you this before we start recording. Nothing major, but um, I'm really involved in Ancestry.com. My father was placed up for adoption in 1962, and I have another possible link to maybe who his biological father may be. Mm. Um, So that was something that was really cool that happened because Ancestry did an update. And they, when they did their update, they did the probab. So they did the percentage of the DNA you have in common with someone, but they also did the probability of how they may be related to you. Oh. So there is, there is a man between my uncle and my aunt that are a confirmed uncle and aunt. So I'm thinking he may be another uncle, but on oh. my dad's father's side. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's fun and interesting. Yeah. So hopefully, knock on wood. Hopefully, it leads us to something. And if not, it's it's good just to have connected extended family yeah, I guess so that's cool yeah um so mm-hmm. as far as housekeeping goes I actually have a lot for some reason usually like I don't have anything or I have like one thing but like um I don't know where my brain was last week but I did figure out the Mulholland Drive actor I was referring to is Patrick Fischler who's been a ton mm-hmm. of stuff um I said Woody Nelson instead of Willie Nelson and I have no idea why I said that <laughs> But I was watching an episode of Monk where Willie Nelson is in it. And I was like, oh, my God, I said Woody Nelson. Anyway, so I don't know. I know that it's Willie Nelson. I just forgot. Um, the Invisible Man was released in February 28th of 2020. So it's a 2020 movie, not 2019 movie. Because we were trying to figure out when it was released. But it was 2020. It was like one of the last movies to get released in theaters before everything shut down. Um, and I thought The Glass House 2 the good mother was released like recently no it was 2006 so and i watched some (laughs) of it it's pretty bad um we'll get to that later it's not it's definitely the poor man's version of this movie um and then evan who played the husband owen in the night house i finally figured out how to say his last name when i was tagging him in the instagram post it's john a kite Oh, okay, John Kite. Because that's okay. literally what his Instagram handle is, is John A. Kite, because obviously everyone asks him how to pronounce his last name, so he just made the pronunciation his Instagram handle, and I think that's hilarious. So That is funny. Yeah. So that's all I had for housekeeping. Um, did you have any housekeeping before we go on to what we I watched? I didn't. I didn't, but you, you covered a lot, so I'm really glad you had an ear out for us. That's awesome. Well, I was editing this week, too, so that always makes it easier. So I actually didn't watch a ton of extra stuff this week, just because I had a lot of stuff going on, but I did watch the first two episodes of Under the Banner of Heaven, because our friend Karen, ah. we were at rehearsal together, and she was like, Under the Banner of, the he- of Heaven is already out. I was like, oh my god, it's out! So uh, thanks, Karen, for reminding me, because I ended up watching it, and I like it. Have you watched it yet? I've watched the first episode, so I haven't watched the second episode, but I did watch the first episode, well, you, so. You know I like post-Mormon, t- like, TikTok for some reason. I just find it fascinating, the deconstruction of leaving, like, well, leaving any kind of fundamentalist religion I found fascinating, but also the offshoot cults from Mormonism, 
Like, the f- yeah. is so, like, scary, but also interesting to me. And, like, by the way, I like Mormon people, by the way. Mormon, I have had many Mormon friends and acquaintances throughout my lifetime. All of them have been super friendly, wonderful, loving people. But it is a high-demand religion. And when you put a cult into that community, too, it's kind of scary. So, and this is about a specific group of people who were an offshoot of Mormonism, and they did kind of form their own mini cults. Um, and I think last podcast on the left covered them during their Mormonism series, because the story is very familiar to me. Um, but it's I like that they're they're going with the victim's background a lot and showing her, and they do that even more in the second episode, and it's really more about her than the cult. I mean, it's about the whole thing, but, like, they're really humanizing the victim, and I yeah. I appreciate that because so many times, like, oh, like, because I was, like, curious why she was, like, billed right after Andrew Garfield because she gets killed in the first episode. Spoilers, because it's about a murder, but the victim gets killed in the first episode. I was like, oh, I wonder why she's billed first. And, like, like oh, there's a lot of, like, flashbacks and stuff to her life, and I found it very yeah. interesting. And the actress is very good, so... Well, that's uh, Dustin Lance Black, I think, who serves as a writer and, like, a creator for this show, based because I know it's based off a true crime novel. He actually won the Academy Award for uh, screenplay for Milk a, a mm. couple years back, or it may have been, like, ten years back now. So so he is an Academy Award-winning writer. Um, and I was reading this really cool article where he has said that, you know, he was like, we knew we were going to upset some people who are Mormon, but we also wanted to do our best to show a lot of the aspects of the religion in a positive light. So they did a whole lot of research to try to make sure yeah. they did it right. Yeah, and like her and family that. is very much like every Mormon I've ever known. Very nice, very modern, very cool. Um, but I will say they're very romanticizing Joseph Smith too yeah and okay that's my one complaint that's my one complaint about the show i don't really like the flashbacks with joseph smith i feel like it's a little jarring to me personally the second episode i'm gonna warn you there's animal death and it honestly got me there's two different dogs that get killed um and i I get what they're saying but like i really i you know i'm i feel like i'm tough but i was like (gasps) Like, both times. So, like, just just letting you know. Yeah, so just, just watch out for that episode. Oh, You know, I'm like, oh, I'm sh- there's no way it's now there. I'm like, should I watch it? No, like, like I love not, Andrew Garfield, but should I watch it? It's, like, it's not that long. It just made me, it's just the noise the puppy made upset me because it sounds like how Gizmo cries. But yeah, uh, so just, I just I know it bothered me, and it'll probably bother you. But um, anyways, I really like the show though, so I can't watch. I can't. Uh, I can't wait to watch more of it. Um, yeah. And then I did watch the trailer for Don't Worry, Darling, starring Florence Pugh, and I, and Harry Styles, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, looks really interesting. And it's Olivia Wilde, and our eighth grade was really good, so I'm excited about that. Oh, and Booksmart, too. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Booksmart. Booksmart. It's yeah. not eighth grade. Yeah. It's Booksmart. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I was like, I was like, they both came out around the same time, but there is four years of an age difference between the characters. Um, and then I've been 
watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial because, like, it's live streaming. Like, I like to listen to live streams as I work of, like, I did, like, the judicial hearings and now I'm doing the Johnny Depp Amber Heard hearings. You know, to distract from the fact that apparently all of our rights as women are about to be stripped away this summer. So, you know, just distracting from that. It's bullshit. It's utter bullshit. But, um, also it's about privacy. It's not about abortion. Roe v. Wade was about privacy. Not about, like, like your own choice with your medical history. And, like, so, that, and privacy. Like, um, and, anyways, I'm very, I need to, yeah. But, anyways, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is interesting. Yeah. And being someone who studied acting and was in, in my opinion, an emotionally abusive relationship, not physically, emotionally, um, Amber Heard does not strike me as a genuine person. So, sounds like she was practicing a monologue. And she's, like, trying to make her look, self look sad. Like, and it's obvious, because she's not that good of an actress. And, um, yeah... And the tapes. Have you listened to the tapes? Oh. I haven't. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Johnny Depp also did a lot of really shitty things. I'm not saying he's... Neither one of them is completely 100% innocent. But it does seem that she is the aggressor. And he is reactively acting upon stuff. Maybe you should talk about what you watched. Yeah. Um, I can do that a little bit. Uh, so, I, like you already kind of discussed a little bit, I did watch the first uh, episode of Under the Banner of Heaven. I love Andrew Garfield. Um, I'm sure most people who love Andrew Garfield also know that he is taking a break from acting for a short while. Um, after all of this, because he's had a very busy year, obviously, between Under the Banner of Heaven, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Tick, Tick, Boom, Half to Hide that he was in the new Spider-Man movie. Spoiler alerts, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm really happy for him, though. I think it's better to take a break than to just assault yourself. So I'm really proud of him that that's what he needed to do. He needs to become a little bit more human again. Um, but I also watched the first two episodes of Captive Audience, a uh, real American horror story, which is, of course, details the kidnapping of um, Stephen Stainer. That happened, um, so it's really interesting if you guys are into true crime stuff, that's streaming on Hulu right now. Um, and then I don't normally do this too often, um, but I actually wanted to share a little bit of what I read this week. I've been trying to get a little back into reading, and this all stemmed from one of my friends posted on Facebook a meme, and it was like, I wonder what English teacher wakes up this morning and decides to... This is the day that I'm going to sign the short story that fucks everyone up for the rest of their life. And I was like, oh my god, I have one of those. Because I think mine was um, A Good Man is Hard to Find by Flannery O'Connor. And it's funny because Sarah actually uh, wrote on our friend's status. She was like, oh my god, mine too. Um, Which led me down this rabbit hole of like, what is the most disturbing short stories that have ever been written because of course I'm a glutton for punishment um so I read the story The Frolic uh from Songs of a Dead Dreamer by Thomas Ligotti uh so the short story The Frolic uh details like a husband returning home from his psychiatric uh job at a um local prison and talking to his wife about this patient 
Um, and then I also read a short story called Skull Pocket by Nathan uh, Bowen. Skull Pocket? Um, maybe, yeah, it's called Skull Pocket, yeah. And it's by Nathan uh, Bowingrug, which I may be butchering his name. Uh, and that is a short story on wounds, six stories from the book, from the border of hell. And Skull Pocket is really cool because it's like word, world building. So um, it's basically like these children are called to this mansion by the school and this like um and this kind of fair that happens every year um and i don't want to spoil it for you guys if you want to read it but it is a short horror story it's really cool it is very graphic um and it's free online so all these short stories are free online that's one of the reasons i love short stories uh because usually you can upload them to a site like reddit or something just read them for free um so yeah i did something a little bit different tried to read more this week that's so. good though reading's fun Mm-hmm. I, I like reading. I don't get to do as often, so... Yeah. You know, um, what's a really good book series to read if you like true crime is the ones that um, the Bones TV series was based off of. It's more oh. of mysteries, but they're actually very good, and they're pretty quick reads. So I've been enjoying those. I need to reread them again. Um, but I bought a bunch of them on Kindle and read them. Um, nice. But yeah, I know, like, I read, I like doing Audible too, because then I can listen to them while I work. Um, but yeah, yeah, reading is fun. Everyone should read. Everyone should read The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, God. I've been thinking yeah. about getting one of those, like, bonnets and just being like, well, just preparing for the stripping of my freedom. Ah, I'm sorry. It bothers me. Like, and here's the thing, yeah. growing up, I was, you know, super Catholic, very pro-life, and always thought differently, and then you become an adult, and you meet people from different walks of life, and you hear different stories, and you understand that most people don't want an abortion who have an abortion. It's not a yeah, first-choice exactly. kind of thing, and just like no one should have to know who you voted for... In an election, nobody but you and your doctor should know what you choose to do with your own body. And all, all I'm saying is all the people who were saying, my body, my choice, with their freaking vaccines better be against this. I just can't believe you would... Oh, yeah, right? That's true, too. Well, like, at the end of the day, what I always say is that you don't ban abortion, you just ban safe abortion. Yes. Is what I mean, there's still, and then not only that, but like, there's going to be kids born in situations that aren't good like, yeah. situations. There's going to be, I have a friend who, one of her best friends grew up in a foster, like the foster care system, and was abused routinely in the foster care system. And I mean, there's just so, my biggest thing though, and the, I mean, yes. I it just disgusts me personally. Um, some of the hateful things I've seen people say, including that, um, keeping the pregnancy after rape is making a good situation of a bad thing. I, I think mean, that is, that I, depends. I, my thing is, I, I mean, mean, like, are you going to tell the 13 year old who was raped by her uncle that like, because it does, you don't pick and choose when you, when, right. if it's outlaw, there is no picking and choosing. It's just outlaw. Yep. Completely. That's there the thing. It's no, like trust people no, to make the right yeah. choices then. And also if they just had comprehensive sexual education, which we don't, well, we don't have we don't comprehensive even talk about, sexual education. We don't even talk about, okay, this is what bothers um, me. We, would we don't talk this. about that. Even, 
even when you have insurance, insurance does not fully cover birthing in a hospital. Yeah. It doesn't. You still pay for 20%, which is like a $5,000 bill. They charge you for skin-to-skin contact with your own baby in the hospital. I mean, it depends People on your can... insurance. Because also, I have friends who only paid like $50. It depends on your insurance. They may be lucky. But imagine if you don't have insurance. And you're forced to bring a baby into the world. And you don't have insurance. And then, let's mm-hmm. say, your company doesn't offer maternity leave. I That's the, the other I thing. Nobody offers by. maternity yeah. leave like yeah or parental leave they're just like fuck you i'm like so you want people to keep having these babies but you don't want them to be able to spend any time with them we want people to have babies but we don't want to offer maternity leave and we look down at our nose at people who need like ebt and stuff like that like if you need government assistance you're automatically looked down upon we want you to have the baby but we don't want to take care of the baby right and then like okay The other thing that bothers me is that so many people are like, choose adoption, yet every single person is also, they only want to... They don't adopt. They're like... Oh, they, don't, okay. they don't want... The only reason they want to adopt is they view it as the inferior choice if they can't have their own children. Also, the other thing is that, like, the foster care system is absolutely swamped. Like, yeah. it's not really an option because there are so many children that need homes and you're just making it worse and i think back to my mom is one of the greatest people i've ever known and i love her i'm not just saying that because she's my mom but my mom literally gave up a baby for adoption 39 years ago and my mom is like you know i gave up my child for adoption it was the hardest decision i've ever had to make in my entire life but it was my decision mm-hmm. and i i cannot and my mom posted that on Facebook, and my mom is 62 years old, and she had a lot of people attack her on her pro-choice stance. And I'm like, Mom, I'm proud of you because you are so graceful. And even though you knew people were going to attack you, you still treated every one of these people with kindness. Because there was multiple friends on her Facebook that were like, well... You know, my my granddaughter was a product of rape, and my mom's like, and yeah, your I granddaughter is a beautiful blessing. I was like, and it's like, do you go telling yeah. your granddaughter that? Like, yeah. Oh, my mom and me talked about that too. Like, we're like, does your daughter like to share that information with just anybody or on the internet? But mm. My mom also is so gracious that she does not attack people. She'll be my mom sticks to her guns, but she does not attack people. Yeah. Um, well, that's, like, so. I, I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand this, like, insistence of not seeing other people's sides to the story. Because, like, I recognize yeah. that I am very lucky where I have never been put in a position where I've had to make that choice. But I do have friends who have had to make a choice about pregnancies. And I don't know anyone who thought of it lightly. So I don't, when people are like, well, these people just use it as, and when they're like, these people, I'm like, Who? Who is using this birth control? I don't know a single person in my yeah. life. And then they're like, well, you're just using your own personal anecdotes. I'm like, because that's my life experience. And I see other yeah. people with similar life experiences. So obviously, that's more of the norm than someone using it as birth control. And I'm sure someone does. I'm sure there is a person who does that. But also, that would really yeah. hurt your body to have an abortion that many times. So I'm sure doctors will eventually tell you, like, you need to not do this. But, you know, if we provided birth control and, again, comprehensive sexual 
education, and if we just had a better education system, we might not have people with unwanted pregnancies. But I'm just saying, there are people in this world who think the hot tub thing is real. For real. I have met them. And they're not stupid people. They are uneducated people. So... Like, no wonder people think that abortion is just used as birth control. That's not true. And most people have an yeah. abortion. It's for a medical reason. And you shouldn't have to tell the public what the reason is that you have it. You shouldn't even have to tell anyone that you have that. Yeah. Just like when you have a miscarriage, you shouldn't have to tell anybody that. You should just yeah. be able to go home. Anyways, we got to stop talking about that. Ooh, sorry. I'm yeah. heated about no, it. And I, I like. I got he I got heated on the way home, and poor Taylor had to hear my tangent on the way home. So, I mean, it's just. But if we don't talk about it, then it's yeah. gonna get worse. Like I didn't think I would have to like be living through this. Yeah. So, anyways, um, before we get our handmaiden outfits, um, I guess we should get into this week's movie. Yes. <laughs> Which is the Glass yes. House from two thousand and one? Everybody. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so I picked this movie because, you know, I picked a lot of really depressing, dark, disturbing movies. And I saw this movie on Tubi and was like, oh, hell, I used to rent that movie like every other week from Blockbuster. I wonder if it holds up. And <laughs> does it? I don't. I don't know if it holds up. I I will say, Brittany said, you should say what Taylor said about it. Taylor, my husband said, it's bad, but it's not so bad it didn't keep my interest. He's like, I kept watching it. And I was like, that's true. And to me, it's a guilty pleasure movie. And there's a lot of, like, interesting things about this movie. This movie is actually very well acted. Because they have some really good actors in this movie. And, like, it's pretty smart for, like, an early 2000s thriller. However, then it gets really stupid, too. Like, it's, like, smart until it's not. But I will say, of all the early 2000s horror movies, like the blockbuster PG-13 ones, this is one of the smarter ones. And I think this is one of the first movies I watched that I was like, oh... So you don't have to just be a slasher film. Like, you could actually, like, have some, like, psychological... This is more of a psychological thriller, I would call it, than anything else. Um, but watching it now, I'm like, oh, it's kind of stupid. But it's, like, guilty pleasure for me. Like, I still love it. Yeah. Still love this movie. Um, I love that Stolen Stars card is in it and Diane Lane. And Rita Wilson, I, who is uncredited, but is in this movie. And Bruce Dern. Like, a ton of, like good actors in this movie it's so weird um but it's interesting because like there's not a lot of background information because like we said in the beginning this movie was slated i don't think it was supposed to release on 9-11 but it was like that week and they were supposed to have uh lily sobieski and diane lane were supposed to go on jay leno i think on september 11th and they canceled their interviews obviously and instead of delaying releasing the movie which I feel like they probably should have done, they went ahead and released it in theaters. And, like, it was, like, nobody wanted to go to theaters during, yeah. after September 11th. I just watched the TV. Like, I was, like, numb for, like, a weekend. I was, like, in sixth grade, I think. Seventh grade? One of those. Um, yeah, like, it was not a fun time. Like, nobody wanted to go see a movie. So I didn't hear about this movie until I saw it in Blockbuster. And then I was like, what is this? And I rented it. 
and I kept renting it. It probably drove my parents crazy. What about you, Britt? How did you discover this movie? Uh, so it was, so my dad did rent it in like early 2002 and I ended up looking it up because it was released on DVD in January 2002 Mm -hmm. and I knew we lived in Titus, but I felt like we had just moved there because we moved from Indiana to Alabama in December 2001. Mm -hmm. So I remember watching it and I remember a few distinct parts, which I know we'll detail when we go into the plot. So I remembered a few things about it, but I was like, eh, that was cool. And, like, I honest to God never really thought of it again. <laughs> Which, that was when, like, I was obsessed with it for a small yeah. period of my lifetime. And then, like, I hadn't thought about it in years. And then I saw that. And I was like, yeah. oh, the glass house. I wonder if it's any good. It's fine. Um, I will say, it's, it's like a Saturday afternoon movie. Like, yeah. you put it on... It will keep your attention, but it's not, like, the best. It is way better than the sequel. The sequel is just a Munchausen by proxy movie. It's it's apparently written by the same guy, but not directed by the same director. And it's very made-for-TV movie quality. Um, It's not good. And they don't even live in a glass house. They live in a house. It's not glass. So... I'm like, well, you've lost me there. So why is it even called... And it's called Glass House, The Good Mother. That's so stupid. It's really stupid. I will say there was a twist that I didn't see coming. Because I thought it was just like they lost one kid, but apparently they keep fostering kids and killing them with Munchausen by proxy. So, um, I didn't see that twist coming. Spoilers. Um, but yeah, this movie was... I feel like it was a uh, product of its time because, so in 2001, like, Lily Sobieski, who's, like, the main build star, had been in a ton of films, including Never Been Kissed, um, and the producers did The Fast and the Furious and I Know What You Did Last Summer, and they were like, ooh, and Lily Sobieski, for all the actresses her age, was is a pretty good actress. She was even in Eyes Wide Shut with Stanley Kubrick. So she's a good actress. Um, and she's fine in this, but like there's a lot of like corny one liners and silly stuff. And that's the thing is like, there's really competent actors in this movie, but I feel like the script just is not that smart. It's very much like trying to be cool. Um, yeah. You know what? The other movie that was released right after nine 11 was Mariah Carey's glitter. Oh, God, yeah. Which is a bad movie. A really bad movie. Um, but this movie did premiere at the number two at the box office next to Hardball. Which so, is another Diane Lane movie. Yeah, so not a not a bad financial movie. Like, not terrible. Um, but the director is Daniel Sackheim, who did The X-Files and House and Lie to Me and True Detective and Lovecraft Country. Oh, and he did two episodes of Game of Thrones too. Yes, yes. And I, I actually remember both of them. They were. I, I oh, looked I, it up, but I, I can't. First I of her knew, name. It's the one where John no, and Sansa hug. That no, one. he uh, did. That's Oath, one of Oathbreaker. them. Yeah, he did Oathbreaker, which Oathbreaker actually uh, has one of the best episodes in the Game of Thrones, like the ending. So, spoilers, guys, but it's Game of Thrones. It's the episode where John hangs Ollie and the other members for the mutiny <gasps> that killed oh, him. I hate that one. And he, 
And he gives the cloak over. He's like, my watch has ended. And I'm like, oh my god, that's one of the best episodes. But he also did the uh, Book of the Stranger, which ends with Danny burning the cows um, as Vastrak. So those are... Those are both, they, they have Well, also John endings. and Sansa reunite, which is my favorite part of that episode. And the Book of the Stranger? Yeah. Daniel also, I have to say this real quick, he directed uh, season three, episode seven, The Walking the Dead, When the Dead Come Knocking. And that episode is actually memorable to me because that, that episode, one? and I think, I know you watched The Walking Dead in the early seasons too, Katie. Mm-hmm. So it's the episode when the governor, like literally, um, him <gasps> oh. and Merle tie up Glenn. And yeah. Merle releases the walker and on Glenn while he's tied up. And he literally fucking kills the walker tied to the chair. And he, like, lets out this great warrior cry. And yeah, I was like, oh, my God, that. Stephen Young has some acting chops. And then he was later nominated for Minari. I was like, I knew it from that moment. I was like, he is an incredible actor. I love Stephen so. mm-hmm. Love him. Um, but the movie is also written by Wesley Strick. Oh, yes. okay. Okay. So he extensively worked on The Man in the High Castle, which mm-hmm. I have watched the first season of, and it's really good. Um, he also wrote the remake of Cape Fear, which is actually a decent remake. Um, it's, I mean, it's not the same as the uh, Gregory Peck one, but, like, it's decent. And um, freaking Robert, is it Robert De Niro? Yeah. Yeah, yep. Robert De Niro is the bad guy. Um, also Arachnophobia, which I actually haven't watched all of Arachnophobia, but that's more of a horror comedy. Um, but then The New Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 Mm. one. But, okay, okay, here's weird. Here's, here's weird, but also a GGP connection. He was thanked by Robert Eggers for the Vavitch. I don't know what he did on the Vavitch, but he was specially thanked by Robert Eggers in the credits. So, Ah, he's done something right. Um, and he also worked on Batman Returns the, for script revisions, which that one was okay. Um, and then according to IMDb, he was the first screenwriter to write a script for Martin Scorsese for Cape Fear and be allowed to remain on set during the production. Nice. Which is interesting. So, but I don't know what happened with the Glasshouse Good Mother, because it's shit. But, um... <laughs> He's a good writer. Like, he's had good hits. Maybe it's like um, M. Night Shyamalan, like, all of his good stuff happened early on, and now he's just kind of like, I don't know what to do anymore. There's nothing left in my brain. Sorry. M. Night Shyamalan, nice man. Just, whew, unpredictable. But at least when it's bad, it's funny. So anyways, so that's all I had for background, because there was, like, no background for this movie. Yep. So... I know Brit that was me too. Message me. It was like, ah, <laughs> uh, so I was gonna write an intro, and there's like no background to this movie, and so I wrote some of the, the intro this week. So it's not as pretty as it usually is, but we just we winged it. It's fine. Um, also, okay, so I'm gonna say spoilers for this synopsis um, because. <laughs> Um, I had to laugh at the IMDb synopsis, um, because it completely ignores the little brother, and it just says, an orphan teenager is taken in by a Malibu couple, but discovers they aren't the caring friends they seem to be. I was like, okay, there's two of them, by the way. So my synopsis is, after losing their parents in a car accident, 
siblings Ruby and Rhett are sent to live with family friends in their Malibu home. But what are their intentions? That's much better. Sorry. Like, you spoiled that they're not what they seem. And you didn't even count the little brother. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Who? Yeah. She's kind of a character. Yes. And also, I will say this real quick about Trevor Morgan, is that Taylor goes, I know that kid. I know that kid. I was like, I know that kid's face. And then I was like, oh, my God. Because, incidentally, okay, this is the type of person I am. Uh, so I literally was talking about the sixth sense in the car since you mentioned mm-hmm. Shyamalan with Taylor the other day, and I literally started fucking crying talking about the sixth sense because Aww. yeah, I'm that person. Um, but I was like, holy shit, he's fucking Tommy in the sixth sense, who's like the fucking dickheaded child in the sixth sense. <laughs> he's also the little kid in the Patriot and Jurassic Park yeah. three. He's the mm-hmm. idiot who. I mean, he's not an idiot. Oh, sorry guys, that was my alarm going off. But, yeah. I know. There's so many recognizable actors in this movie. I'm just like, I just, I feel like they should all be in a different movie. Or, there's, like, at some point, like, the movie's actually, like, there's some part where, like, she just starts saying things that, like, are inferred. And I'm like, you didn't need to say it out loud. That's the thing. Yeah. They keep saying things out loud that they <gasps> yes! really don't need to. And that's oh, the main problem get... with this movie. My, my father drove a sob. My father like... drove a sob. Up close on her lips. My father yeah. gave us all. Like, I'm like, you, we could have gotten that in the email that she sent. Like, hi, yeah. my dad actually drove a sob. Can you look up and see who drove the BMW? Why would you say that out loud when the guy was right in the room next to you? Anyways, I guess we should get into the plot. Ooh, do yeah. you want to start or should I? I can't start just because I want to say, okay, so... There's a guy I had a crush on in high school, and he always say <laughs> shit like this. And this is, like, immediately when I fought cool 2000 glass shattering. Because it's, like, there's, like, oh, a I know. of a glass shattering. Yes. And it's, like, cool 2000s glass I think, shattering. Like, I think I wrote down, after a dramatic title screen. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, like, a fake horror movie, which we, we're supposed yeah. to think that she's so cool. Because she's just eating popcorn while all of her friends are scared. Ooh. Yeah, and like, and her friends are a bunch of chicken shits because it's not even scary. Like, no, it's not. It's not. Um, and we're talking about Ruby, who's played by yes. It's um, I'm taking careful consideration to pronounce her name. Her name is Lily Sobieski, mm-hmm. and so she was in a number of films such as Deep Impact, Eyes Wide Shut, Joyride, Here on the Earth, Never Been Kissed, and 2006's The Wicker Men, which, not the bees, with Nicolas Cage. Yes. Um, but she also received Emmy Awards and Golden Globe Award nominations portraying Joan of Arc in the 1999 television miniseries Joan of Arc, which mm-hmm. I remember a movie gallery seeing that cover all the time for yeah. that Joan of Arc miniseries. Yeah. Um, so, but she received another Golden Globe nom for Uprising. Fun fact, uh, she was also in Jungle to Jungle as Martin Short's daughter and Mina yes. Siku's love interest. Because I love Jungle to Jungle when that I was a such kid. A, I have it on VHS. Oh, I yes. found it at a thrift <sighs> store and I bought it on VHS because I love that movie so much. It's I did so too. good. It's I still so to good. this day remember Mimi Siku means cat pee. Like yes. to this day. Um but uh, she did audition for the role of Claudia in Interview with a Vampire, which obviously went to Kristen Dunn. Oh, Dutch. she would have been great, and she, actually. 
I know. Yeah, she she would have. I wish I could have saw her as a, like a younger child to see what she would look like. But um, she did retire from acting in 2012, though, to focus on her art career. So she's officially retired from acting now. Yeah. So Which I wish her well. Um, yeah. But I love it. She's like, I won't say all the gal pals, but one of them I thought was Brittany Murphy for a hot second. And I was like, no, it's not. She just sounds like Brittany Murphy. Um, but Ruby's out with her gal pals. And, mm-hmm. but she gets, she gets home on time, though. She's like, oh, I gotta go home. My parents will kill you, kill me. And she's like a typical teenager. Like, she goes out and parties with her friends, but she does come home. So. Yeah. She's not, like, the worst kid. She's not, like, and her parents seem very, very nice. And her parents are, like, played by very normal people. But one of them is Rita Wilson, for some reason, who is. Yeah. Tom Hanks' wife. Or she's also, but she was, she had a lot of acting parts on her own too before she married tom hanks but i will say i i always like my first thing that i always think of i think of her sleepless in seattle yes. and then i also think of her as being the adult chrissy and now and then because i love now and then when i was little i so. love i always think of where she's crying when she's talking about yeah and movie. sleepless in seattle and she's like and she's fair like, to remember and then just and she's just crying she's like, ah. I, I, was like I always remember the part where she's talking about a fair to remember and she goes and there's blankets over her legs. And she's just so proud. She's just so proud. <laughs> it's great. I've seen that movie too many times. Oh, I have too. It's a good movie. Yeah. I still feel bad for the fiance of Meg Ryan, though. Like, I feel like he really yeah. deserved better. Like. Yeah. You know. They do that a lot with Meg Ryan movies. Because then there's Greg Kinnear's character in You've Got Mail. Where they're just like. Yeah, we just, you know, we should make sense, but we just don't love each other. <laughs> and then it's right up, and you're like, okay. <laughs> like, what is that with Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movies? I'm like, all right, okay, well, that's lovely. Um, but the dad is, and we also have the dad, who actually has done a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's Michael O'Keefe, and he, um, now the three things that I really saw, so he's in Caddyshack, the uh-huh. Great Santini, which he was nominated for Academy Award for, and Michael Clayton was the more recent one I recognized. And he so. also was on Homeland, apparently, which I know was a really uh-huh. good show, but I have not watched it yet. Sorry. Um, I'm sure it's great. Claire Danes and Mandy Patinkin. Yay! He has a great TikTok account with his wife. Their son, like, runs their TikTok account, and it's very wholesome. It's very Aww. wholesome. It's cute. I like Mandy Patinkin and his wife. They're sweet. I can't remember his wife's name, but she's real sweet, too. Anyways, um, so her parents seem like busy but very normal parents um, and very kind. And her brother, like, is annoying, but he doesn't tattle on her because she came home late. So, you know, she's got a pretty good life. Um, and then she was school the next day. And I just, I just had to write this because I wore school uniforms for 12 years. What the hell is up with their school uniforms? Are they supposed to be going to a private school? Because those are the cheapest uniforms I've ever seen. That's like everyone was in the cast was told to just buy a button-up white shirt and a skirt. Like, it was, I like, mean, what happened to their budget? It looked terrible. It, it instantly reminded me of the craft, the way they were dressed. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, like, nobody dresses like that in, like, there wasn't, like, an emblem on their shirt or anything. Like, yeah. Usually you have like an emblem on your shirt or like you, most most schools you wear like a polo shirt. 
Like, most people don't wear button-ups. Unless you're, like, yeah. I don't know. Unless it's Harry Potter. Anyways, I thought it was it was cheap-looking. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, like, they're cool. She's got her gal pals. And they go joyriding while her parents are out on their anniversary. Which is just very, like, classic thriller. Because, like, they've got the parents and they're like... Oh, happy anniversary, darling. Oh, it's cute. They actually say, they say, happy 20th anniversary. I'm like, oh, because that's normal for couples to say happy 20th anniversary. They had to let you know they were married for 20 years now. And then, like, Lily, I'm sorry, Ruby and her friends are, like, joyriding. And then, like, she comes home and and she's like, oh, no, they called the cops on me. Jeez. Um, but then the cops were like, Ruby, your parents were in an accident. Also, where is her brother? Did they come inside yeah. her house and her brother's by himself? Um, I know, right? And they're obviously not okay, and she faints, and then we're at the funeral. And that's yeah. where we kind of meet Rhett, her brother, which we already said is Trevor Morgan. Um, yeah. Yeah, we already said all his credits. So, hey, we did that job first. Um, and he tries to give a speech. But um, he starts to cry, and he gets comforted by the baker's former neighbors, Dr. Aaron and Mr. Terry Glass. Yes. Not Terry Gross. Terry Glass. I've been listening to a lot of NPR. This is fresh air. This is fresh air. And, of course, (laughs) uh, Aaron Glass, Dr. Aaron Glass, is played by Diane Lane, who uh, looks absolutely stunning in this movie. Um, So she, She I have to say this. Until she doesn't, (laughs) Yes. I have to say this. She was Cherry in The Outsiders, so I don't know if anyone was obsessed with The Outsiders like I was when I was a kid. But I was like, Cherry in The Outsiders? Uh, but she's been in a shit ton of things. And uh-huh. um, one of those, um, and she was one of those actresses I think we saw a lot. And she usually played like mom-like characters in movies mm-hmm. we watched growing up. So she was in Chaplin, she was in Jack, My Dog Skip, The Perfect Storm, Unfaithful, which was a very erotic thriller at the time. Erotic. Under the Tuscan... Yes, very erotic. <laughs> uh, Under the Tuscan Sun, Knights in Rodan. And then most recently, she's uh, played Martha Kent in the new Justice League movies and Superman Martha. movies. And Martha! Martha! Why did you say that name? <laughs> that movie's so terrible. It's terrible. It is pretty terrible. Uh, sorry. But I, I, did, I did have to say real quick. She also, I didn't know this until I was looking up her IMBD. She's Riley's mom in Pixar's Inside Out, which our Riley's actually named after Riley in Inside Out. And more recently, oh. she was named, uh, she was in the TV series Why the Last Man, which I've heard good things about. So yeah, yeah pretty that impressive filmography. Okay. Yeah, she's pretty so, good. And then we also yeah. have Stellan Skarsgård. Yes, Alex and Bill's dad. So Alex and Bill's dad. All of their kids are actors. It's interesting. I didn't realize until looking up his IMBD how much of a frequent collaborator he is with Lars von Trier. He's been in a shit yeah. ton of Lars von Trier He's a films. nymphomaniac. He's the guy that is like takes her in and she's telling him her life story. Charlotte Gainsborough. He was also in Trier's uh, Dancer in the Dark, Dogville, which I've always wanted to see Dogville, um, and one. Breaking the Waves, too. So... Um, but recently he was, did some, were you about to say what he was in on TV? Oh, no, not on TV, in the movies. Oh. You go on the TV, yeah. Oh, Chernobyl, he's in Chernobyl. Oh, that's right. Oh. I've only, I need to finish Chernobyl, but honestly, like, the, 
the the radiation effects were just very sickening to me like in in a sad way like i just know that that yeah. actually happened to people and it makes me so sad that it was just hard to watch and i was like i need to take a break and then watch it and honest i haven't to finished god, it honest to god since you brought that up i thought chernobyl was an absolutely amazing series but it upset me so bad i blocked mm-hmm. most of it out it's really upsetting yeah. And so when when recently the Russians decided to take over that plant, I'm like, "Oh god, please don't touch it. Just yeah. don't don't touch it. Do y'all not yeah. remember? Watch HBO. Anyways, what was the other movie you were going to say he oh. was in? So he was most recently the villainous Baron in Dune. So oh, yeah. And, yeah. I forgot that so, was him. Yeah, and I was like the Baron freaked me the hell out and dude, like creepy. when it's like when like he's about to go off uh when he's about like he he's about to assassinate uh Paul's dad and he raises up like a snake. I'm like, "Oh, oh, don't like it." <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like, like it. it. It's disgusting. So. It's so mm-hmm. gross. Yeah, Ooh. and he like flies. <laughs> he's yeah. so fat. He's like a, <laughs> he's like a fucking cockroach uh, on the wall. He so, is. Ugh. I I yeah. love Stellan Skarsgård though. He plays a really good villain. He He's does. really good at playing a villain. I love him. I feel like this one was like just a little walk in the park for him, though. He was just like, oh, I don't know. I'm yeah. just going to be kind of mean. Um, yeah. And I love that. Okay. And this actor is partially canceled. I It's one of those things like I haven't seen all the stuff, but doesn't look good for him. But this was right in the middle of sex and right after. No, in the middle of sex in the city. Oh um, no! I thought I thought it was right after. when I thought it was when and just like that began that they started the allegations. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But this yeah. movie was was out. Like, oh right yeah. in the heart of Sex and the City. Fever. Yeah, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, because it was two thousand one. So their uncle Jack says hi, and guess who plays their uncle Jack, y'all? Chris Noth. Chris Noth, who was also on Law and Order for years. I always forget that. Like, he played a detective for years on Law & Order. Oh, yeah, he was Mike Logan on Law & Order. He was also on, like, many seasons of The Good Wife, too. Yeah, he was the hus- the bad husband in The Good Wife. Um, but he's, you know, he's Mr. Big. I I like him as an actor, like, but apparently he's not a very nice person. But Uncle Jack's like, hey, Ruby... I haven't seen you since you were a kid. I'm so sorry I lost touch with your mom. But if you need any help, let us know. And Ruby's kind of like, yeah, like you've been helping us so much lately, Uncle Jack. Ugh, whatever. And um, he's like, he tells her that, hey, I live in Chicago. So you're like, okay. So he's not around a lot. But he does like say, if you need anything, please reach out. And she's like, fuck off. But anyways, um... We meet Alvin Beglater, who's played by the father of Bruce Dern, father of Laura Dern. Yes, if you didn't know, (laughs) who? So he was he was Tom Buchanan in the 1974 Great Gatsby. Yes, he also did a a couple um, smaller parts for Tarantino in The Hateful Eight and Django Unchained, which I was like, oh, yeah, I instantly. I incidentally, as soon as I saw he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I knew exactly who he was. He's, um, he was George Spain in the Spain Ranch, the one that, like, oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. that, uh, 
he was so worried about. He's like, I gotta see George. Like, I gotta make sure Where's he's okay. Where's George? I gotta yeah. see George. He was also on The Burbs, too, with Tom Hanks. <gasps> You know, so. I didn't realize, my mom also had me watch this movie just last year because my mom was talking with me about scary movies that scared her when she was little. And so we watched Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. And is he, he actually, He is. He's the murdered lover that gets decapitated at the very beginning of the film. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's when we got spoilers. Yeah. Um, it's in the very beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but Beglitter is her parents' estate lawyer, and he's like, hey... So your parents are really frugal, and you guys have more than enough, and you guys are going to go live with the glasses. And so they, so apparently the glasses were like their next door neighbors from the time she was like a baby. So she's, they've known them for a very long time, but like they moved away, like probably like, it sounds like like two to four years ago, and they aren't super close with them, but still friendly. Um, so... Um, Tara and Aaron comfort her, and they're like, oh, you're in good hands, and they, I, you know, move them to their literal glass house in Malibu, so. And I'm laughing because they do a, a, they do a tour, and he's like, this is the home theater, and Taylor's like, that home theater has a small-ass TV. And then. It was 2001, (laughs) Taylor. 2001. And then they introduced the maid, and Taylor said, the maid is Spanish, what the fuck? And I was like, I did say that, actually. I said it was 2001, Taylor. Also, it's California, too. Like, it's, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there are a lot of Hispanic people that live in California, so. But it is very, um, yeah, it's very stereotypical. But her name's Vicky. Yeah. At least they didn't name her, like, Balenciaga or something, like really racist maybe she was just the best person for the job maybe she came to the audition and they were like vicky and she was just the best person for the job we don't know yeah there i don't go. know but there you go yeah it was also 2001 um i'm trying to be positive <laughs> yeah but i just love that they're the glasses and they live in a literal glass house like yes like all the which those houses are like cool to look at but i would like as soon as the sun goes down those kinds of houses terrify me because I do not like, ooh, I just don't like people seeing into my house at night. Like, it's just terrifying. Like, it's nice when the sun's out, but once the, the sun goes down, I'm like, ugh. It's terrifying. Um, but, like, this house is, like like you said, a home theater, a gym, and a pool. But then the kids have to temporarily share a room. And Ruby's, like, 16 going on 17, and Red's, like, a, like 12, 13? Yeah, 11. Probably. Yeah. Oh, he's 11. But, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, they don't have kids, so they order, like, calamari and risotto for dinner, which I'm sorry. Like, you know what? You know, when my my sister's stepson was coming to visit, like, he was coming with them, you know what I went and got just in case he got hungry? Captain Crunch and mac and cheese because children don't like fancy shit. They generally But he's don't. also... He's also very little, and you would think at least Ruby's taste buds would be more refined. Just a little bit. I mean, maybe if she's a foodie, like, she also likes... I mean, I just, like, for me, for kids, I would ask them, what do you guys want for dinner? Instead, they order yeah. calamari and risotto, and they're like... I, and the first product placement comes up, because she's like, oh, I guess I'll order Domino's. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, also, he's like, do you guys have any Garfield? And I'm like, does he mean, like, Garfield Chef Boyardee? Because I feel like that was a thing. 
I think yeah. that's what he's talking about. Is because I was like, what do you mean Garfield? Like the cat? And I was like, I think he means. Wasn't there a Chef Boyardee with Garfield on the front? Like it was like like Garfield lasagna, but it was like Chef Boyardee. I feel like that may be right. That seems familiar. I feel like I feel like that's right. I for some reason wrote that down because it confused me. Um, But anyways, these kids. I have to say this real quick. So these kids also have multiple objections about dressing in front of each other and not peeking at each other. Which I'm like, just go to the fucking bathroom. Yes. It does birth one of my favorite lines in the whole movie where Ruby tries to get dressed in the corner and she's like, and she's like, can you turn and face the wall? And Rhett goes, what are you, the Blair Witch? And I literally dig like almost cry laughing at that part. She's like, no, I'm worse. (laughs) Sassy. And then then she changes in the hallway. Yeah, where there's, like, two adults somewhere in the house walking around, but she changes in the hallway rather than, once again, just going to the bathroom and changing like a normal person would. But, okay. Yeah, I was like, just go to the bathroom. I mean, I've I've had to share, like, a bedroom with a sibling, like, on vacation. You just take turns using the bathroom to change. Like, jeez. Um, but, yeah. Um, and then Aaron drives Ruby to school, and we learn that Aaron is, like, a doctor that runs a pain ward. And she's like, oh... You know, I know you're worried about being, like, middle of the year new. Like, this too shall pass. And, which always stuck in my brain, by the way. Yeah. My whole, like, high school age self. Um, and then Ruby does, like, kind of make an impression at school, but she still feels alienated. And when they get home, Rhett has a PlayStation and Nintendo. Because you can't yeah. play Pokemon Snap on PlayStation, but you no. can on Nintendo. I was like, oh, my God. I love this set at that part, too. Like, he literally, he turns to the game and he starts playing. Like, there's no load screens or anything because that's realistic. So. Yeah. I was like, all right. Okay. Lucky you. Um, And then before dinner, like, Ruby's talking to her friend Tasha. And she's complaining about her school just a little bit. Like, they don't allow cell phones in her school. And she's not used to that. And Aaron is like, you need to have a better attitude. And. She's like, oh, about dinner? I don't mind getting takeout. And she's like, no, about your school. You need these people to like you. And she's like, oh, so you were listening in on my conversation. That's creepy. And then she has a nightmare about her mom, Rita Wilson. And then she decides to take a midnight swim, which sounds lovely. I I, I just always wanted a pool just because, like, I just like to swim laps. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to be able to swim laps. I want an infinity pool. That's what I want. Um... So she decides to take a midnight swim, and then Terry creepily is watching her and interrupts her, and he's like, you woke me up. I'm not used to having kids in the house. But he's so creepy. And, like, there's just something off. Like, she just feels off. Well, he checks out her body before he hands her a towel. And then afterwards, he's like, I guess I have to start setting the alarm at night. And it's like, why? It's like, literally, you guys are secluded on a mountain, so... It's just the four of you in the house, but okay. Yeah. And then, like, she goes to a driver's ed class, and they're, like, showing gruesome, like, uh, drunk driving things. And that's how she thinks her parents died, so she's like, oh, my God. Like, she's freaking out. But then at dinner, when she excuses herself, she tells Aaron she's on her period, and that's why she's not. Which I think she is, because she's going for, like, Tylenol. Um, but then Aaron's like, ooh, I have something better. And you go to, she goes to Aaron's bathroom with her. And, oh, okay, listen. My mother is a, has been a practicing registered nurse my entire life, okay? 
Um, I have never seen this many pharmaceuticals in my mom's medicine cabinet. Now, my mother, like, has everything labeled. She has multiple drawers of, like, first aid and medicine stuff. But it's all over-the-counter shit. Like, she doesn't keep prescription medication. Because, guess what? You don't just get to go home with prescription medication at will. Especially the things that are in her cabinet, which include Vicodin. I paused the screen because I was trying to see what exactly was in there. Vicodin, Ativan, Morphine, and Demerol. Um, which are all, like, opiates, basically. And, uh, not great ones. Like, they make you, like, really sleepy. So, anyways, she gives Ruby this, like, pill. And Ruby's like, oh, this crap too shall pass. Which is another silly line. Uh, but then, yeah. like... Ruby is like fucking like high as a kite, and Rhett's like playing his video game, and she's like, "It's fine. It's kind of relaxing." You're like, "Oh fuck," because you don't know what she gave her either. I'm like, "Don't take a pill. Yeah. You don't know what it is. You could at least ask her. Oh, what is this?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then when she wakes up in the middle of the night and turns off Rhett's loud video game, and, and she tosses his like body into bed because <laughs> yeah like, that was great there's like it's great there's some comedy in this one yeah. um she hears aaron and terry fighting about i think it sounds like aaron is shooting up in the bathroom yeah with her pharmaceuticals and terry and her are arguing about it Whew. and then at school she mentions to a classmate about how she plagiarized one essay after going to a rave and Losing all his studying time. And then Terry asks her to come to a movie premiere with him. Which leads to some creepiness. You want to go into that, Brett? Yeah, so instead of taking her to the movie premiere, he takes her to a restaurant. And he talks about seeing her as a little girl for a first time hugging Malibu Barbie to her chest. And so Ruby asks him about the fighting. And he mentions it could be really lonely living with Aaron. And she's like... Why would she tell a a child that? Yeah, and then, like, she's obviously uncomfortable, so she's like, I think it's past my bedtime. So they start to grow home, and he's driving erratically, um, and then he pulls over, he leans over her suggestively, you can tell she's uncomfortable, and then he's like, oh, you forgot to buckle your, and I put parentheses, shoulder belt, because obviously... He can't use the word for seatbelt because... Oh, no, 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 I thought that too, but if you look closely, she has a lap belt. Oh! But the shoulder belt separate in that car. Oh! It's the fancy one. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I was like, weirdo. I thought he was weird too, and then like, I I looked back and I was like, oh! The the lap belt and the shoulder belt are separate in this car. I was like, oh, that's stupid. That's what it is. I feel like I did ride in one car where that was actually a thing. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Why are there two? But he does take her home. And he tells her not to make too much noise because Aaron and uh, Rhett are probably asleep. But when she gets home, she notices Aaron injecting something Sorry. into her arm. Because that's not well, scary. She's not even, like, like actively injecting. She's laying there on the couch with a needle sticking out of her arm, like, flying high. And you're like, okay. Like, no one, no. that's This is not normal. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is pre-opiate epidemic. So, I'm just saying, like, this is, like people's reality nowadays because opiates are out of control um and then she she goes to yeah um and then anyway she she <laughs> hitchhikes to Beglater's office well she takes a ride with vicky the housekeeper 
and then she she hitchhikes the rest of the way to Beglader's office and asks him about maybe getting another set of guardians. And he kind of like I don't like the way he handles this. Um, but I will say I read the Ebert review about this, and he kind of liked this character because you never know if he's on the kid's side or not until the yeah. end. Um, but basically, he's like, you know, she's like, she's telling him, she's like, well, Terry made me feel uncomfortable, and Aaron was shooting up in the living room, and that we share a bedroom, and he's like, well, um, I know who to call, I'll call somebody in social services, um, but if these don't work out, if, if this is just you being sensitive, then try to make it work, because, like, if they don't work out, you're gonna be wards of the state, which, I'm like, they have an uncle. Yeah, I thought that, too. You wouldn't even try to call the uncle? Like, I don't understand. Um, I feel like he's scaring them unnecessarily, frankly. Um, but, you know, um, he does say he'll get in touch, and she asks him, like, how much money are we actually worth? And he's like, uh, around $4 million. Which, he's like, for the rest of your life, I'm like, not with inflation in 2022, but okay. I mean, it is, like, a nice sum of money, though. Um, if you, if you live very frugally it might last you your whole life who knows um but when she gets home after dinner the glasses gaslight the shit out of ruby and they're like aaron's a diabetic and that's what she was she was taking her injection i'm like okay no that is not how diabetics inject themselves they don't go into a drug stupor after injecting themselves that is not true um and then they're like well but you this bothered me. Like, when you were skittish with Terry, it made us sad. I was like, oh, yeah. no. No, fuck no. How about the foreshadowing, though? We need your trust. I'm like, yeah. But I'm cha. And then she she has, like, a weird time at Driver's Ed because she's thinking about her parents. Um, but then Vicky doesn't show up to give her a ride, so she walks to Terry's office because he owns a like transportation service like a car service mm-hmm. company where like they provide like limousines and stuff and um his secretary tells her that he's having a this is a very not okay term i think a powwow um which this is not what a powwow is it's an actual native american thing uh so ruby waits in the lounge while he's having this and then like it's literally loan sharks threatening him and they shove him against the glass door and she gets nervous, so she goes into the garage where people are working on cars, and she sees a car that looks like her parents' car, the Saab, and she's like, oh, that's weird. We had a car just like this. Also, uh, he calls it a business glitch. Um, and he says that they let Vicky go because he, she drove Ruby somewhere without their permission. And he's like, it's our job to know where you are at all times. I was like, that's creepy. So Ruby's, like, writing a Hamlet paper, and there's all this, like, stuff about Hamlet, because Hamlet knew something was wrong, blah, 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 blah. And the teacher, I forgot to look him up, but whoever plays the English teacher, I have seen him in other things, and he's good in this. Anyways, I feel like he's played teachers before or something. Um, so she's writing her Hamlet paper, Terry's trashed, and, like, starts joking about Hamlet and interrupts her, and then she looks up her parents' obituary, and it says that they were driving a BMW. And then she says the infamous line. Mm-hmm. My father drove a sob. My father drove a sob. But like, but like, it's not just like she says it. Like, they like change the camera angle and do an up close on her lip saying. It's really dramatic. 
Um, so apparently her dad drove a Saab, but they were driving a BMW when they passed away. So she emails the lawyer and she's like, hey, can you find out who owned the BMW? Which again, they could have just, she could have put the Saab part in the email and we could have read it instead of her stupidly saying out loud when Terry was like in the next room. But okay. Um, she wakes up and Terry has finished her paper and I don't know why she trusts him. Yeah. I would have just been like, um... I'm going to ask for an extension. Um, and she's making friends, but then the social worker shows up and she's like, she tells her all this stuff and she's like, okay, everything will be confidential. I'm going to make a anonymous routine visit and, you know, just pretend you don't know me when you see me there. And she's like, okay. And she goes there and everything's fixed. They have two separate rooms. Aaron's Vicodin is out of the cabinet. It's just insulin. And which I don't know. Do you think she really was diabetic? I do think that she was diabetic, but I also think that she's a drug addict. Yeah, I just don't. When I paused the screen, I didn't see any insulin in there. It was mm. all opiates. So I'm, but there were some that were turned around. So maybe. Um, and this was this is what bothers me is like so the social worker is like okay none of the stuff she said is true but she almost seems annoyed with her and I'm kind of like. You know, like, that's not really how social workers function. Having, well, a couple friends who are social workers. Like, it's your job to go check that shit out. Um, also, Ruby discovers a couple of things. She discovers that the glasses have been refunded for tuition for a school that she and Rhett have not yet gone to. And it's like $30,000. Um, they've been throwing away postcards from Uncle Jack from Chicago. And... When she goes to check her email to see what the lawyer replied. I don't know what happened. Sorry. Her account has been disabled. So. That sucks. And that's really creepy. Um, And she heard Mr. Glass saying that his silent partner was skimming cash. But now he's got his own piggy bank to pay back the loan sharks. And um, yeah. Ruby saves the number, too. Know that. I will say, Ruby is pretty smart. Um, yeah. And we're about to be in the home stretch of this movie. So, do you want to take over or you want me to keep going? I can take over a little bit. So, the next day, okay. Ruby does try to call Alvin while she's at school to ask about the B&W. And he confirms it was registered to Glass Transit Incorporated, which is Terry's company. Uh, but the principal, vice principal, calls her in the office saying, hey, we know you plagiarized your paper. Uh, and you already have one plagiarism on your record already. And we already talked to your parents, your guardians. And so that night, Ruby's obviously pissed. And she wakes up around 4 a.m. And she tries to call Uncle Jack, but he's out of the country, of course. And so she sneaks into Aaron Terry's room, steals her keys, wakes Red up by saying they are giving away free Dragon Ball Z videos at Blockbuster. <laughs> Which was one of the only things I remembered about this movie was that Red, because I love Dragon Ball Z. I was like, oh, he likes yeah. Dragon Ball Z. And at the time, I was like the same age as this kid. So I was like, oh, he's pretty cute and he likes Dragon Ball Z. But now, yeah. my God, this kid's fucking annoying. Uh, but... <laughs> Exactly. But this is like she puts. So this is like funny because like I um she's not a good driver and yes I know her parents passed away in a car accident but I I have a feeling she wasn't a good driver before this is either right um but she puts in the code to open up the door 
Uh, and that wakes Terry up, but she crashes through the gate to escape the house. Um, Which is like, okay. Yeah, she just like, just dramatically. And later we see the car and there's nothing wrong with it either. So it's like, oh, you can crash through a gate and it doesn't do any damage to your car. Okay, cool. Not, none of that. Um, but she tries to tell Rhett that the glasses were tricking him and that they blinded him with shiny shit and they bought him off. Um, they end up they end up being stopped at a routine traffic stop, which allows the glasses to catch up with them. And so Aaron puts Rhett in her car. Terry takes over the car that Ruby's in, and they split the kids up essentially. And I didn't know uh-huh. if you wanted to, to take back over again a little bit. Well, so and then Ruby like accuses Terry of using her inherent. She's like, "Yeah, you needed our trust, our trust fund." It gets this is when the movie gets really stupid, but also fun stupid. So I'm okay with it. Um, and uh, Terry like denies it, of course, and he's like, "You and Red are mine," which is not weird at all. And she does try to run out into the rain, um, but Aaron and Terry dose her with Demerol to you know placate her. And she does spit on Terry in his face before she falls asleep. So that's good. Good for you, girl. Um, and then there's, like, a random scene that they did not need where her friends are like, Oh, little Miss Malibu hasn't called us in a month. I guess she's too good for us. We're too good for her. <laughs> I was like, and, not needed, but okay. And neither was the next scene where Rhett is like, Wake up, Sleeping Beauty. Because she's, like, obviously been asleep. Yeah. I was like, brothers are not that sweet. They're not I that sweet. I like that meant a lot more to me when I was younger and saw this movie, and now I'm like, that's dumb. Like, a lot of this movie, I think it was, because it was only rated PG-13, so I feel yeah. like a lot of, like, teenagers and, like, preteens watched it and liked it, but, like, as an adult, I would have said, this is stupid. I'm sure my parents were very annoyed every time I rented it. So then, Terry tries to go to the bank and ask for a quarter of a million dollars, which is a lot of money, um, and the manager's like, yeah, we already forwarded you $30,000, and didn't you fax us this letter about you getting refunded for this tuition? Which, obviously, Ruby probably did that. Yep. Um, and he's like, oh my god, but we're spending so much money on the kids for their school and their therapist. And he's like, you mean this school? And he's like, I mean, not that school. Um, he's, he's starting to mess up. Um, and then the manager is like, basically like, fuck off. And Erin also has a bad day, and she's, like, she's, like, smuggling drugs out of her office, but, like, the door is open, and she's just, like, putting them in a handkerchief and tossing them in her purse, and I was, like, I mean, you could have closed the door, like, and again, why are there windows everywhere in her hospital, like, come on, um... And she, basically, she gets fired, but just, like, her nonchalance of just tossing in her purse was what was like, yeah, no wonder you got caught. Which, I mean, she has an addiction, and addiction is a sickness. And that's the thing, is, like, Aaron is, like, telling Terry this. They're fighting about this in the bathroom. It's always the bathroom for them. And, like, she's like, I have a sickness. And that is true. Addiction, like, especially the opioid epidemic, like, that is, it is something that is really prevalent. And up until the pandemic was probably the worst health crisis we had. And now it's back to being the worst because... People get on opioids, and they get addicted, and then they can't get off of them, and then they pass away. And she was talking about, like, fentanyl and stuff. So I was like, oh, this is, like, before fentanyl was just, like, killing everybody. So anyways, um, highly addictive. Don't get on opioids unless you absolutely have to, and get off of them as soon as you possibly can. Um, because it's not cool. Take the smallest dose you have to. 
just just Tylenol is great. You can get really high strength Tylenol. But uh, anyways, they're fighting. Terry's like, we're dry, right? We don't have any more drugs. So I'm if I can't get drugs in L.A. And he storms out of the house. And then Aaron, okay, this part was the part that always scared me when I watched this movie. Like, it actually did terrify me. Is because, so Aaron gets her, like, remaining stash. And she um, is watching home movies of her playing with Brett and Ruby when they were little kids. And then she, like, shoots up. I guess she shoots up all of her remaining? I don't know what... Um, I didn't really get it as a kid. But basically, she walks into Ruby's room and Ruby wakes up the next morning. Because, again, they're out of drugs, so she's no longer drugged. And, like, Diane Lane's uh, dead corpse is just kind of, like, in her bed. And that part always scared me, actually. And that's one of the only terrifying. things I remember from this movie was yeah. that, too. It was terrifying. So. Um, and then Terry comes home, and Rhett and Ruby try to escape, and he, like, grabs them, he grabs them by, like, a handful of their hair and goes, you kids are a handful! And I was like, <laughs> okay, goofy. Um, and he throws them in the basement, and they try to get out, like, the basement window, and they see Terry messing with the Jaguar of all, because he's a bunch of cars. And he's like, he pulled the jag out. He's messing with it. And then, okay, marathon through the very end. So we're almost done. Terry seemingly drinks himself into a stupor, which obviously he didn't. And obviously, like, his product placement, he's like, kettle one vodka. It's also the drink he orders at the bar. I would like a kettle one, please. I'm like, I don't, I don't say the brand of liquor when I order it. I say, hi, can I have a gin and tonic? If you happen to have... Sip Smith, amazing. If not, Bombay Sapphire is great. That's how I order a drink. I don't order. I would like a kettle one vodka sour, vodka and soda. Well, I don't like vodka by itself. So, anyways, um, so he pours out the liquor into a water carafe, and he makes it look like he's falling asleep. Because I'm pretty sure what they're trying to imply is that. He was trying to trick the kids into taking the Jaguar because he messed up with the brakes and then he was going to kill them and get their money. But Ruby's like, oh, I see what's in front of me, which is something her mom told her at the beginning. And she doesn't fall for it. She's like, we shouldn't take the Jag. And then Bruce Stern shows up and is like, hey, hey, Gizmo. He's like, hey, I told you. He basically admits that he's the one that has been telling them all the stuff Ruby told him because he thought he was helping out because he thought they were just kids. But he's like, but your conservatorship is ending because you keep asking for their money and that's not cool. I thought I was helping and you suck, dude. And then the loan sharks come because Ruby has called them. And do you, I don't know, do you want to do the very end where it gets kooky? I I wrote down because I was like, oh boy, I I so I didn't write down a lot, so I don't know if mine's too oh, sparse. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So okay, I'll I'll go then. Well, it's fine. It's it's not. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go quickly because it's it's action packed kind of. Yes. Sort of. Yes. So, I would agree with that. Beglater's trying to leave. The loan sharks come. Ruby has a twinkle in her eye. Obviously, like I called them. <laughs> um. They're driving one of Terry's cars, and um, 
he they assume that the lawyer is their the silent partner. So when he tries to leave, they stab him, which I was like, that was Aww, a bit of an poor overreaction. Alvin. Poor yeah. Alvin. Uh, which, I mean, they just stabbed him once. He might be okay. But there's not any blood either, so I don't know. I guess he's supposed to be dead. Uh, it's a PG-13 movie. What did we expect? Um, but, <laughs> um, so they, they kill Bruce, or Alvin, and they are go to take Terry in one of the other cars, because they don't know Ruby and Red are there. And they're like, oh, let's take the Jag. He's like, don't take the Jag! But then Ruby slashes all the tires of the other cars, so when they go to take the Volvo, which is not tampered with, they can't get it because it's the tires are slashed. And so they're like, okay, I guess we're taking the Jag. And then, so the Jag's brakes have been cut. Well, I think it was, like, only partially cut, but it does eventually, like, completely cut or the brake line, something good, something with oil and liquid and I don't know. The brakes aren't working. So, I don't know. I just drive my car. Uh, <laughs> and it runs into the other car, which runs into an 18-wheeler and explodes. And then they run off the cliff. Terry and this other guy. And then there's like this, okay, then you think that's the end. And I, like, when I first watched this movie, because I'd been like, 15 years since I watched this movie, I was like, oh, that's disappointing. Like, that's not that, like, exciting of an ending because, like, Rhett and Ruby are just like, oh, okay. Um, but there's more because they um, start walking down, I guess it's the Malibu Highway, <laughs> which I'm like, why would you walk down a highway? Why wouldn't you call the cops from the house? But okay. Um, with two dead bodies in the house, but whatever. So they're walking hand in hand. Because that's what you do with your 11-year-old brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy does not have a sibling. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. And um, a cop pulls up. And because they're two white children, he's just like, hey, you need help? Uh, in Malibu. And they're like, yes, please. Please help us. And so they um, get in the back of this cop's car. And then he sees the wreckage. And he's like, oh, i got to go check this out, guys. Stay in the car. But then, of course, when he goes to investigate, Terry's not in the car. And Terry knocks out the cop. And he crawls up the mountainside (laughs) with the cop's gun. And starts walking towards the car. And Ruby's like, I learned this from Terry. Buckle up. And she gets in the cop car. And she backs up and runs him over. And then these other cops just show up. They're like, are you kids okay? I'm like... Okay, that is vehicular manslaughter. I mean, I'm just saying, I know it was in self-defense, but it was vehicular manslaughter. So I feel like there would be more questions. And then you just see them go to the grave with their Uncle Jack, who apparently is now the guardian. Which, why wasn't he their guardian in the first place? That's right, exactly. Exactly. Because the kids still had to move. Yes. <laughs> It'd be one thing if, like, the glasses still lived next door and the kids were in the same school system and stuff. But no, the right. kids still had to move anyway. So yes, why was Uncle Jack the guardian? Make, not make any sense to me. But did you have any, like, big pros or cons with this movie? Uh, I would say my biggest con is that the dialogue, just some of the shit that they say just sounds so yeah. weird. Like, don't get it's me wrong. It's dated. The Blair Witch line was incredible. Like, I love it. That shit holds up. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff is just, like, I was, like, I just, like, did, like, a head tilt. Like, what? What did he just say? What the hell? What? Yeah, what, what the hell did they just what say? The 
Yeah. Also, it's like Rhett. God bless the kid that plays Rhett because it's like poor Trevor. Like he was amazing as the asshole kid in um in the Sixth Sense, but in this movie, he's like, "Roops, Terry's gonna kill you." And I'm just like, that delivery, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, like, there's a lot of good actors in this movie, but they're yeah. just not. The script is. Eh. Um, the story is is interesting. I like the story, but the the dialogue is shitty. Yeah. Um, which is sad because there's so many good actors in this. And but I will say, like the Diane Lane thing definitely creeped me out as a kid. Yeah. And um, I like that Ruby and Terry are actually very smart. Like they're good foils for each other, which I was like, that's interesting. Um, but like. Like, they just kind of, like, give up on being smart at a certain point. And it's very PG-13. And there's a lot of product placement. <laughs> like, a yeah. lot. Which it was the early 2000s, and you kind of got, got movies done that way. But it's all, like, Domino's, Kettle One Vodka, PlayStation, Nintendo. Which is fine, but I felt like it was a little obvious. Um, did you have a rating for this one? Uh, Grindhousey or, like, actual writing? Both. Um, yes, I did have both. Uh, so, I gave this one a 5 out of 10. Okay. Uh, like, like Taylor so famously said, it was interesting. Like, I watched the whole movie, um, and I wasn't bored, and the dialogue was dated enough and corny enough that it was funny and quotable. Um, watching it a second time for the podcast was a little harder for me. I will say that. <laughs> um, but I did also have a Grindhouse Girl rating, and it was, and I'm so sorry, I'm losing my place now. Um, so I rated it S, and, uh, rated S for Shakespeare, Swimming Pools, and Seat Belts. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. So I at first gave it, like, a 5 out of 10, and then I watched the second one, and I was like, oh, no, this movie's actually way better. So I gave it a 6 out of 10. Okay. More for sentimentality than anything else. Fair enough. But I did have, I had two. I had rated P for people in glass houses shouldn't adopt orphans. And, or maybe just shouldn't adopt. Um, and then rated O for orphans, opiates, and overdrive. Oh. I like the O, too. That's funny. Yeah, I like the S one, though, too. Which one do should we do? I don't know. It's so hard. This is where yeah. we need Ryan. We need Ryan. So we should just do rated S, though, because I feel like we've done a lot of mine like lately, yeah. and I feel weird using the orphans because like it was just because it was an O word, but like it's not like a very nice word. Yes, we'll, we'll do rated S. Rated S Yay. is a good one. Um, so I'm trying to keep Gizmo occupied because he decided to wake up for the last five minutes of it. So that that was the glass house, you guys. Uh, yes. I hope everyone had fun watching it, because, like, I knew going into it it wasn't going to be brilliant, but I was also like, I wonder if it holds up. And I think, like, it's it's not it's not Black Christmas 2019 bad, but it's definitely not, I wouldn't call it a brilliant movie, but it was fun. And it's kind of fun to do, like, early 2000s horror. It was a different time. It was, like, the second golden age of, like, thrillers and slashers. You know, like, people were making a lot of them. So, I don't know. Comparatively, yeah. I thought this one was good. And they never went too far with the sexualization of Lily Sobieski. 
Like, it was hinted at, but, like, she didn't have to get naked. And, like, I know that was something very important to her. Like, she didn't want to do sex scenes and stuff. So, like, I kind of appreciated that it was creepy, but, like, not more implied than actual stuff. So. Um, so. You get to pick next week's movie. I do, I do. And so this one has been in our back... I think you already know what it's going to be, Katie. Um, So it's been in our oh, back pocket no for... Oh, I think you know. I think you'll go... Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, okay. So this one has been in our back pocket for a while. We knew it was a very aesthetically pleasing film. Um, we just put it off, or at least I know I put it off a couple times because I was like, oh, it's long. Um, but it is 2016's The Love Witch. It is... <gasps> oh, yeah! Yeah. So, um, it is currently streaming on both Shudder and Pluto TV right now. So, pick your poison between the two. Um, so, get this. It was written, edited, directed, produced, and scored by one woman, Anna Billard. Damn. So, she did a shit ton of stuff for this movie. Um, so, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how one woman does so much and to see what it's like. Also, it's it's a modern film, but it's supposed to look like a 1970s exploitation film yeah so like it's got i think the film grain and the vibe and the fashion of that so yeah i'm excited i am too it is two hours and 30 minutes though so it is a bit longer than some of the other ones we have taken on so yeah but we'll we'll watch it yeah so watch the love witch and I'll probably cut out our discussion before just because for time because we're already at two hours. But uh, the world is scary. Our rights are being stripped away from us. And that's not okay. Um, Because people should have the choice to choose their health care. And taking away that choice is not okay. And the thing is, you strip choice from one group of people, there's another group of people on that list that's up next. So this is just the beginning of rights being stripped away. And while passion, we are both passionate about this because we're women and it does more directly affect us. Like it's going to affect a lot of people and it's just not cool. So vote in your elections and really think about who you vote for and if they represent what you want. Um, also be kind to everybody and understand that you don't know where someone else is coming from so maybe you shouldn't judge them on everything because this is america well i know some of us aren't in america but wherever you are you should love everybody and know that we don't know everyone's stories and don't judge people so harshly um i know sometimes i can be a harsh judger of people but i shouldn't because everybody's coming from a different place so, I don't know. I just, like, I don't know. Watch a silly movie. Watch a scary movie. And treat people with respect and kindness. And for the people still in Ukraine or anywhere war-torn, thoughts and prayers. I'm sorry. I know that's all I can say. But you can donate to various charities. Also, you can donate to humane societies. It's springtime, so everybody's having puppies and kitties that are going to need homes. So get your pets spayed and neutered yes. so that they have homes. Um, and uh, take care of your allergies <laughs> because I know mine are driving me 
absolutely up the wall. But um, take care of yourselves and each other. And have a good week. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. And after next week, it'll be our 100th episode. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm blanking on well, so I was going to say. So <laughs> I'm going to shop now. Brit, your turn. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Since it's our hundred episode coming up, please, guys, for those, I we we know you kind of silently love us sometimes because we know you're out there and you're listening. But please love us a little bit more physically and sl- <laughs> slide slide into the DMs or comment and let us know what you want from us for the hundred episode. We have ideas. A um, slide. Yes, but we would love to hear what you, the friends and fam of the Grindhouse Girls, what you guys would like to hear and what you guys yeah. would like to see out of 100 episodes. So we want yes. to we want to please you. So <laughs> please let us know please, 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 what we can please, do for please. you. So, um, but yeah, uh, like Katie said, um, obviously what is going on is very near and dear to my heart and her heart. And um, I... I love people who have had abortions, and you do too, even if you don't realize it. Um, so, be kind and educate yourself. You know, um, sometimes looking things up can be painful, and reading about things can be painful. I just, I learned about a couple of things that happened in history that, because they didn't happen in American history, I never heard about. And that was very painful to read about. So, sometimes educating yourself is painful, but it also is good for you to know things. So please educate. Please vote. Knowledge um, is power. Knowledge is power. Absolutely. Um, so Corny, but it's guys. true. Yes. Um, but yeah, we love you guys. Um, as always, I hope you do something for yourself this week. Please drink your water. Uh, please wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know, take your uh, vitamins. Yes, take the vitamins. Those are important. Eat eat a little bit of green. I know sometimes those vegetables don't taste as good as cake, or at least to me they don't. But you still got to eat a little bit of vegetables. They're good for you. Hey, um, try the feta <laughs> tomato pasta. I finally did the yeah. TikTok feta tomato pasta. You add some chicken in there. Oh, it's it's a meal. It's a meal, my friends. It's delicious. Ooh, and some. Ooh, add some basil pesto too. It's delicious. Yes. So, yes, that so does sound that does sound amazing and delicious. Um, but yeah, thank you again as always uh, for liking, listening, commenting, subscribing, um, joining us on some part of your day. I hope you're having a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, or good night, or good no night. matter where you are. Um, and just as always, we love you. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Um, same spoopy time, same or no, same spoopy place, same spoopy channel. <laughs> I think. Oh, all right, like, same. Our same spoopy time, spoopy same time, spoopy same channel. Spoopy place. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it like, works. It's all good. It's one of those two. <laughs> like, it's all good. It's one of those. You yeah. pick. Yeah. It's dealer's <laughs> choice. <laughs> you can listen. Ah! You can listen in the same time or the same place. We're just happy yes. to have you. So yes, <laughs> we love you guys. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Night. Yeah. Night. Night. Gizmo's trying to escape. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale 
All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.